how thankful are you of God's mercy and how much more it is than our sins, right? God is good. He is faithful. He is merciful. Uh, today, we, before we jump into our new message series that we're starting, I just want to give a few announcements of what's going on, a few next steps for you. First, uh, we want to let you know about our, our Marriage Matters events for this month. Remember, the first Friday of every month, we have a Marriage Matters event. This first one is pretty cool because all you have to do, it's date night, all right? So we're encouraging uh, couples to go out on a date, but if you have kids, you can go ahead and drop your kids off at the Sandusky campus uh, and just drop them off and go out on your date, go Christmas shopping, do whatever you want for three hours, 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, it's going to be great. So all you have to do to sign up is text uh, the word love, right, to uh, that number you see on the screen. And uh, it is $10 a child, but all that money goes toward our Marriage Matters ministry. And so they're going to just use that money for that specific ministry for future months. And so we would love to serve you and your family uh, in this way. So that's December 10th, and so uh, just go ahead and register if you want to be a part of that. Also, for high schoolers out there, we have our last Sunday coming up, which is tonight. It's a Friendsgiving party. If you don't know what that is, that's where you go to come together and you just eat a bunch of food. And so that's happening tonight at our Sandusky campus, 6.30 to 8.30, and uh, students bring something to share. I've never had a potluck with a bunch of high schoolers bringing food, so that would be really interesting to attend uh, as well. And so that's tonight. And then the last thing we want to let you know about is, like I said, it's Christmas season now. And so we would love to invite you to uh, spend Christmas Eve at the chapel. We have four services for you here at Port Clinton. We have one on December 23rd at 6 p.m. And then we have three services on the 24th, 2, 3.30, and 5. They're all the same. We would love for you to spend time here. We got the candles back this year. And uh, it's just going to be a fantastic time where we're looking and celebrating Jesus, God with us. Speaking of Christmas, we wrapped up our Operation Christmas Child boxes uh, last weekend. And from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say, first of all, thank you to the team that was back there week in and week out collecting the Operation Christmas Child boxes, getting them to the truck that they needed to get to. As a church, three campuses, we collected 1,268 OCC boxes this year. Isn't that pretty amazing? That's 1,000, yes, yes, thank you. That's 1,268 gospel messages going to children all over the world who may have, have never heard of Jesus before. Uh, so not only do they get those great gifts in there, but they also get to hear the greatest gift. They get to hear about Jesus Christ. And so thank you so much for your generosity. I, I talk about it all the time, week in and week out. And so, like I said before, today we are kicking off our new message series called Unwrapping Christmas. Christmas is a very wonderful time of year between the gifts, lights, family parties, music, food. It's truly an enjoyable season for many of us. But have you ever wondered why? Just the question why when it comes to Christmas? Have you ever wondered why we put up lights why do we sing the carols? Why do we gather with family? Why are people more generous? And why do we give and receive gifts in this time? That's what we want to unwrap this Christmas season for you. We want to take time to ask the why question so we can either 
discover for the first time, depending if that's you, what Christmas is truly all about, or to rediscover and re-engage of what Christmas is all about, the true meaning of Christmas. Because if we're all honest here today, we can all kind of take for granted this season. I know at our house, our kids look forward to Christmas, like starting in July, they're singing jingle bells in the car, all right? They love Christmas season. They love the lights. They love the parties. They love the coziness. They love the trees. They love the presents for sure. I'm a little angry at Amazon and all those companies for sending those magazines that they like go through and circle everything because that's all they talk about. I want this gift. I want that gift. You see, Christmas is pretty amazing, but we can take it for granted. We can almost lose sight of what it's all about. And so we're going to unwrap Christmas theme by theme to discover and be reminded of its true meaning. And to kick off this series, we're going to ask the question, why gifts? Why gifts? Why do we give gifts around Christmas, and why do we receive gifts around Christmas? And so, before we jump in, I just want you to think about what is the best gift that you have ever been given or have given at Christmas time. Think about it just for a moment. While you're thinking about what your greatest gift you've ever received or given, mine was a, uh, a stuffed animal uh, Dalmatian from 101 Dalmatian, uh, Roly, right? That's the one who likes to eat a lot. That was the best Christmas present I've ever gotten in my life. I got it when I was four, and guess what? I still have it today. All right? Now my kids have it. Uh, I even told my brother one time, he doesn't remember this, but I told him we shared a room and I said, I'm going to have this till I die. And so he said, no way. And, and we bet $5 on it. He has yet to give it to me. So, But that, that, that Roly, I see it time and time again and I can still remember very vividly in my mind when we got to open one present on Christmas Eve and that was the present I opened and yet that was the thing that I've had for a long time in life and now I get to give it to my kids and they play with it and hopefully it just kind of continues to last in our family. Maybe you have a gift like that too. Maybe you've had a gift given to you that you just yeah, has hit deep in your heart. Or maybe you've given a gift that you know that that felt so good to give that gift. You see, every year we spend a ton of time making lists. We go shopping. Many of you were up very early on Friday buying presents, and then we have to wrap them. We spend so much time giving gifts and receiving gifts around Christmas. But we have to ask the question, why? Why is giving and receiving gifts such a wonderful thing? You see, there really is no greater feeling as a parent to watch your kid's face light up on Christmas morning, seeing those gifts, or the warm embrace from your spouse, like the warm embrace from my wife when I get her the thing that she sent me the link for, right? Because <laughs> I did what she wanted. There's nothing greater than that, to have that feeling. And so why is it such an important part of Christmas? Well, the answer is actually very simple. Gifts are an important part of Christmas because receiving and giving gifts has its root in the very first Christmas. And so today, through Scripture, we're going to see that God gave the greatest gift, but we can't forget this last part. That gift motivates the way that we give. 
Okay, this is what we're going to discover today. God gave the greatest gift, and that gift motivates the way we give. This is what the entire Christian life is all about. The entire Christian life is all about us responding to what God has already done for us. And so because God gave us this greatest gift, that motivates the way that we give in life. And so let's begin by looking at what gift God gave us. And in order to do that, we have to go to probably one of the most important passages in all of Scripture, not important, popular passages, John 3.16. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 3. While you're turning there, it's pretty cool because this verse is the memory verse for our chapel kids this month. So if there's any chapel kids out there, this is the verse you're going to be memorizing for the month of December. And so John 3.16 is very popular. You may know it uh, because you probably learned it as a child. And so this is the reason why we know God gave us the greatest gift. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Many of you can recite that without looking at the screen. Many of you have that written deep on your heart. And for good reason, this verse has so much packed into it. When we read it, we should really think of so many different things. But before we unpack this one verse, I want us to really look at the context of what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus said this. And so why did Jesus say these words in John chapter 3? Well, in John chapter 3, we find Jesus having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a ruler, a ruler of the Jews. And that's very important for us to understand. Because we know that he's a ruler of the Jews, that tells us two very important things. That first, that he is a morally upstanding person. He follows the law that God has set in place for Moses and for Israel. And then second, this tells us that he is a political and also a religious leader in that time. And so he is high class. He's morally upstanding. He's also a political ruler. He's a religious ruler, meaning he has just a, a very high status in life. And yet, in John chapter 3, we see Nicodemus working his way to Jesus at night, because he doesn't want anybody to see him, to ask Jesus some pretty deep questions. Because the sad reality is, even though Nicodemus is this some great person morally and some great person in his status, there's something drastically missing in his life and in his heart. There's something that is missing deep in his soul. And so for the first time in his life, he's probably thinking about something greater than himself. And so he goes to Jesus, and he has this amazing conversation, and asks the question, how, how one must be born again? And uh, it's a pretty great story, so you can go read it. I don't have time to read it all for you today. But toward the end of the conversation, in verses 14 and 15, Jesus says that he must be lifted up in death, 
and that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And so Jesus and Nicodemus are having this conversation. Jesus is sharing with him this idea of like, listen, in order to be born again, you got to be born of the Spirit. And how is this going to happen? Well, Jesus has to be lifted up in death, and whoever believes in him will have this eternal life. Well, why would Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, have to be lifted up in death? Well, that's where John 3.16 comes in. Jesus has to be lifted up in death because God, okay, so that first word God here should bring many things to mind. Probably the most important is the fact that God is the creator and the sustainer of the world. And so when Jesus brings up the word God, he's bringing to mind who God truly is in life. And so God, the creator and the sustainer of this world, what did he do? He so loved the world. He so loved the world. He loved what he created. I tell the story all the time. I took four years of wood tech and I made one thing. It was a banana holder. I still have it today. You want to know why? Because I, I made it. I love it. My wife hates it. I love it because I made it. Listen, it's the same thing with God. God created this world. He loves this world. He loves what he created. He loves you. He loves the creation. And so, because sin entered in, he wants to see what he loved redeemed and restored. God so loved the world. You see, what's amazing here is that he didn't just say he loved the world. He actually did something about it. So what did he do about it? He gave his one and only son. He gave his one and only son. God's love is displayed and demonstrated through the gift of Jesus. That's really important to understand here this morning. Because it's one thing to just say, I love you, right? Like if you were to ask my kids how they know I love them, they're not going to respond by saying, oh, because he tells us. I tell them every day I love them. They're going to respond that they know I love them because I do stuff for them, right? I clean up after them. I buy them things. I take them on fun trips. I go places with them. I play with them, whatever the case may be. That's how they know I love them because I demonstrate my love for them. So God didn't just tell us that he loved the world. He actually went one step further and he demonstrated it. He displayed it by giving his one and only son. God loved you so much that he gave his son for you. God with us. That's what that word Emmanuel means around Christmas. God with us. This idea that he came to us. That is love displayed. That is love demonstrated. God gave his son freely. This is a gift that costs us nothing, but it costs Jesus everything. God, the creator and the sustainer of the world, loved the world so much that he wanted to see it restored. He wanted to see it redeemed. And so he displayed his love 
by giving his one and only son for you and for me. But it gets better, doesn't it? It gets better. Because whoever believes in him, whoever believes and puts their trust and faith in Jesus and this love displayed, whoever accepts the truth and the reality of Jesus and what he has done for us, this free gift of salvation, whoever believes in Jesus, what happens? They should not perish but have eternal life. They should not perish, but have eternal life, eternal hope. Today, if you haven't noticed over here, we have the Advent candles, right? We place these candles out every Christmas season. And there's five candles there, and each week we light one candle all the way to Christmas Eve, then we light the center candle. If you don't know what Advent candles are, if you had never been to them, it's hope, joy, love, peace, and the center one is the Christ candle. And the re-signifies this idea of eternity. And so we have today, this first candle represents hope. Hope. Whoever believes in Jesus, in this love displayed, should not perish but have eternal life. Or in other words, have eternal hope in the fact that we have a living hope in Jesus. That's what this candle signifies. That's what it represents, this hope that we have in Christ, this hope that we have in this love displayed, this love demonstrated for you and for me today. We have this eternal hope. We have this eternal life. This is why God gave his son for you and for me, so that we could have life and life to the full. This is why God came to us and not the other way around, so that no man may boast. It's all a gift of God freely given to you and to me. God gave us the greatest gift that the world has ever seen. It's love displayed through willing sacrifice. And every year, Christmas is a reminder of this immense, intense love that God has for the world. So year after year, when we are given gifts, May it be a reminder to you the greatest gift that God has ever given to you and to me. Now, this is pretty heavy, and I know John 3.16, can I just be a little transparent? This is the first time I've ever preached on this verse, which is kind of crazy because it's so popular, right? But I don't want you to miss the importance of each phrase here. And so I hope that as you approach John 3.16 time and time again, you will be reminded of God's love displayed through the giving of his son so that you may have eternal life. Now, with every gift, you can respond in one of three ways. You can reject the gift, you can accept the gift, or you could re-gift it, Okay? We're not going to talk about re-gifting today, but we are going to be talking about rejecting the gift and accepting the gift because that's kind of what you can do when someone offers you a gift. You can do both. You can reject it and say, I'm good, or you can accept it freely. Uh, And so you may be thinking, why would anybody want to reject a gift like this? 
Why would anybody want to reject a gift that, that's so freely given, so intense, so, so great, so merciful like the giving of God's Son? Well, the gospel, passages are full, the gospel passages are full of passages like John 1, 10 through 11. It says, he came into the, into the very world he created. There's that word God again, right, For in John three sixteen, God, the very world he created. God created the world, but the world did not recognize him. Meaning the world didn't recognize who Jesus truly was. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Even they rejected him. The Bible's very clear that Jesus is the cornerstone or the living stone that some have rejected. Some have cast aside. They don't even recognize him for who he truly is. And so what does it look like to actually reject Jesus? Because we can have a lot of ideas in mind of like, oh, this is what it looks like to reject Jesus is to kind of live in sin or to do this. No, the Bible's very clear. What it looks like to reject Jesus is to simply not believe in him. You look at all the passages that talk about rejecting Jesus and it, they reject Jesus because they don't believe. You remember John 3.16? Whoever believes in him And so to reject Jesus is to not believe in who he is and his death and his resurrection. Now, why would people not want to believe in Jesus? Why why would they not want to believe in what God gave? Well, Psalm 10.4 says, In the pride of their face, the wicked does not seek him, and all his thoughts are, there is no God. Psalm 10.4 shows us that pride causes us to not seek God and even further to believe that there is no God or need of God in our lives. The reason we reject Jesus is because of our pride. The reason we reject what God gave is because the pride that we have in our life thinking that we don't need God. This is pretty similar to the garden, isn't it? When you look at Adam and Eve and their story and the temptation of the enemy coming in, what does he tempt them with? He says, listen, he, God just doesn't want you to be like him. So if you eat of this tree, you can be like God, meaning you don't need God in your life. You can be your own God. That's pride. That's rejecting Jesus. That's not believing in him. It's, it's realizing you don't need this gift or you're good without him. How many of us have lived our lives thinking that we're good without God? We've been tempted to have that thought in our mind. Or on the flip side, pride also leads us to think that we're not good enough for Jesus. Like we've been so bad in our lives that the gift of Jesus won't cover our sins. We just sang about this though. Our sins, they are many but his mercy is more. And so pride leads us to reject this gift, to reject the demonstration of love that God gave. You can reject the gift or or you can accept it, right? Or you can accept it. Those are the two options we have here. John 1, 12 through 13. Remember, this is right after what we just read where people didn't recognize him and then also they rejected him. And then it says, but to all who what? 
believed him. There's that belief idea. So when you believe, you're accepting Jesus. When you believe, you're accepting Jesus. When you reject, you're not believing. Do, do you see the correlation there? So, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Just think about that for a moment. Your belief and your acceptance of the gift that God gave leads you to be grafted into God's family to be his children, to be adopted into his family, which is the highest privilege of our salvation, of our eternal life. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passions or plan, but a birth that comes from God. That's what Nicodemus was talking to Jesus about in John chapter 3 as well. This idea of being born again. God willingly gave his son out of love for you and me. And to accept this gift is to simply believe in Jesus as your Savior to believe that he came to us, Emmanuel, that he lived this perfect life for you and for me because we're imperfect, and that he willingly went to the cross where he gave his life so that we may have life. And three days later, we see the victory, don't we? Where Jesus walks out of the tomb, walks out of the grave, in the resurrection. You see, you can either accept this, reject this gift with pride, or you can accept this gift. And if rejecting it comes from pride, then accepting it comes from humility. You see, sometimes it's hard to accept a gift so great as the one we are talking about today. Sometimes we doubt ourselves thinking we deserve it, but I want to just encourage you that take a number. None of us deserve this. Do you know that? None of us deserve this. this is, that's what grace and mercy are. It's undeserved favor. That's what a gift is. We don't deserve it, but the person wants to give it to you. And that's what this gift is that God has given us. And so if pride causes us to reject the gift, then humility is going to cause us to accept it, to accept what God has done for us that we can never do for ourselves. You see, through Jesus, we have become children of God. Through the gift that God gave us, we are now a part of his Family, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So all of us in here today have to make the decision to either accept this gift or to reject this gift. And because we're all at different points in our faith, some of us have accepted this gift years and years ago. And you, you are a child of God and you do have a relationship with Jesus. I pray that this verse, this passage, will remind you time and time again of this undeserved gift that God gave you. Some of you are in here, you think you've accepted the gift, but you may be doubting God because God's not coming through the way you think he should. And if that's you today, I just want you to, to I want to encourage you just to open your hearts to this gift that God gave and allow that to motivate the way you live. And then if you are in here today and you've never accepted the gift, I want to encourage you to do that today. That gift has been given through his son, Jesus. 
Jesus gave his life and he rose again three days later. And all you have to do is accept that gift and believe in him and what he has done for you and for me on the cross. That he has done for us what we can never do for ourselves. You have to make that decision. You have to either accept it or reject it. It's up to you today. And so God gave the greatest gift. God gave the greatest gift. But then the next part, and that gift motivates the way we give. Remember, the Christian life is all about responding to what God has done for you and for me. So God gave the greatest gift. It's going to motivate the way we give. And the reason that we know this is because right around when God gave the greatest gift, we see a few people giving Jesus some gifts, don't we? Many of you know the story of the wise men. But before we get there, we also know this as well. Paul says this, and I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. Isn't that true today? It feels good to give, doesn't it? It feels so good to give. And we see people giving to God in Matthew chapter 2. Let's look at this. Matthew 2, 1. And two, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And then they get to Jesus, verse 11, they enter the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We all know about these three wise men. I'm not going to get into their stories today. They brought gifts to Jesus for a few reasons. First, to honor Jesus. Second, to worship Jesus and in reverence of Jesus. So we have these great wise men, if you will, the magi, who are bowing down to a child and they're giving gifts. This is very normal in this time to give gifts to a superior But this is kind of awkward because these grown men are giving these gifts to a child. So how is that child a superior? Well, it's because they know that this is a gift from God. They know the gift that God has given, and so they do this to honor, worship, and in reverence of Jesus. And what do they give Jesus? They give Jesus gold, frankincense, or Frankenstein, as my kids say, and myrrh, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are extravagant gifts. Gold is extravagant. Frankincense is extravagant. Myrrh is extravagant. Now, these could just be that, extravagant gifts, or they could have some symbolism behind it. We don't really know, but if it does have some symbolism, the gold could possibly symbolize Jesus' royalty, Jesus' royalty, his royal blood in the, in the line of David. And throughout Scripture, gold is, asso- is associated to royalty. And in Matthew's gospel, he is set out to really show that Jesus is from a royal bloodline. 
Frankincense could symbolize Jesus' deity. Throughout the Old Testament, frankincense was used in various offerings to God, the worship or service of God. And so here we see frankincense given to Jesus. Maybe this is a reference to his deity, the fact that Jesus is fully God. And myrrh could symbolize Jesus' humanity. His humanity. As a perfume, it, it had many different uses, but it was known for anointing man. And this gift Here's the crazy thing. The myrrh is also what is given to Jesus on the cross as well. It's the only one of the three that's offered to Jesus as well. And so you can go read that later on in the Gospels. And so whether these gifts were just extravagant or they had symbolism to them, the point is this, is that these three men put aside their pride to give gifts and to worship and to honor Jesus. They put aside the fact that they were these grown men, these highly esteemed men, and they approached this child and they bowed down to him, which is a sign of submission, a sign of humility, and then they they offered this child gifts. And so these men were putting aside their pride. They were walking in humility to honor, worship, and to give praise to Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. They knew that he was a gift from God, the greatest gift the world has ever seen, and they were there to worship him and him alone. And so whether we're receiving gifts or we're giving a gift this Christmas season, please hear me. Our posture matters. Our posture matters. You can either walk around all smug-like with pride. Or you can walk around with humility, receiving and giving gifts the way God wants us to. When we walk in humility, we can live in worship of God and what he has given us. We can receive and accept gifts that God has given us in this life. And we can give because God has given to us. And so why do we give and receive gifts around Christmas time? It's like I said before. God gave the greatest gift, and that gift motivates the way that we give. As you're receiving a gift this year, think about Jesus and the greatest gift that God has given us. As you're walking through the Christmas season, all the hustle and bustle, we know what it's like. Linus told us already what the real meaning of Christmas is, okay? We cannot forget this idea of what God has done for us. We cannot forget the eternal hope that we have or the living hope that we have because Jesus resurrected. We cannot forget that God loved us so much that he displayed it by giving his son. We cannot take for granted this idea that we have eternal life because God loved you so much. All of this is all packaged with this month season of Christmas. So may it be a reminder as we receive and give gifts this year. Two practical steps for you as we leave here today. 
Take some time this week to reflect on Jesus, the greatest gift ever given. We send out two devotionals each week based on the message today. And if you want to receive those, all you have to do is text the word devotional to the number that you see on the screen, and you'll receive those in your email, okay? And so we would love for you to jump in and receive the Beyond the Weekends there. But I truly want you, whether you receive this devotional or not, I pray you will take some time to think about the greatest gift that God has ever given and that you would allow that to motivate your entire Christmas season. Next, like I said before, you can either reject or accept this free gift from God. You can either accept or reject this love displayed that God has given to us And if you have any questions about that decision, you can talk to me, you can pray with me, you can ask me any questions you want, because I would love for you to accept that gift today if you have not done that in your life. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to close off here right now, and I'm going to pray, and we're just going to pray that God would be working and stirring in our hearts, that we would really rely on this idea that God has given the greatest gift, and that motivates the way that we give. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for Jesus, for the fact that you created the world and you wanted to see it redeemed and restored, and you loved us so much that you were willing to give your son. You were willing to give your son for sinners like us, sinners like me, people who don't deserve it, God, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would walk in humility so that we can accept this gift. God, that we would reject our pride and that we would live in worship and reverence and in honor of you. God, I pray that as we leave here today, that we would just radiate Jesus in this community and that people would see Jesus by the way we live, by the way we talk, by the way we act. Because, God, our lives are all in response to what you've done for us. And so, God, we just give you everything today, and we give you all the glory. And I pray for anybody in here today who has not yet accepted this gift of salvation, that they would take that next step. We pray this in your name. Amen.